Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall, along with my co-host, Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel, and what a great uh, guest we have today. I've known Nelson's, Nelson for almost 10 years now, and I'm always excited to get an opportunity to uh, talk to him. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, we have a very, very special interview today. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. Now, we're talking with the pioneer and father of the infinite banking concept himself, Nelson Nash. Now, Nelson's an exceptional thinker, and he's discovered a secret to prosperity for himself that he now shares with people who want to earn interest, have access to their capital, and take control of their financial life. He's also a writer, a speaker, the founder of the Nelson Nash Institute, which trains and certifies practitioners to implement the infinite banking concept with their clients. So welcome, Nelson. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Morning, Bruce. Morning. So I came across your book, Becoming Your Own Banker, early in my days in business, and your great ideas really caught fire for us personally and became something that we implemented in our family for ourselves and then really wanted to be able to share with others. And that converse, or that book led us then to meet Bruce's team now about three years ago. And during that time at the Freedom Advisor Live event, I got to meet you in person. And there was this lunch where my husband Lucas and I took you out to lunch, had a wonderful conversation, and we said, you know, we really want to start a podcast one day, and we want to interview you before you stop your speaking career. And you said, you might need to hurry. And so here we are three years later. I'm so glad that we got you on the show, and it looks like we made it before you stopped your speaking career. Yes, thank you. Now, as a listener, you are this entrepreneurially-minded business owner who's taking control of your financial destiny. You're prioritizing building cash flow from assets like real estate and businesses. And your ultimate goal is to create time and money freedom. Now, as we're providing education and strategies, we're helping you to use the most efficient way to structure your personal economy so that you have this liquid, available, growing cash to invest in cash flowing assets. That's what infinite banking is all about. So where does infinite banking fit in the cash flow system? Well, infinite banking is also called privatized banking and sometimes has been used in other words like cash flow banking or a cash flow banking system. This fits into the cash flow system in this way. Remember, we have three different stages. The first is where we keep and control more of the money we make. The second stage is helping you protect your money. And finally, in the third stage, you're increasing and making more. Now, infinite banking is part of protecting your money in stage two. But here's the great part. It's also this golden key that improves every other area of your financial life. So it helps you be more efficient with money you already make, keeping and controlling more of it. It helps you protect your human life value by providing a death benefit to your loved ones if you didn't get the chance to create wealth during your lifetime. It supports your abundance mindset by having this emergency and opportunity fund that gives you safety and no loss provisions and access to your money. 
It provides you the capital to invest in cash flowing assets. It serves as a storage tank while money is waiting to be used. It also gives you this ability to earn uninterrupted compound interest on your money. So you're not chiseling away at your wealth potential by resetting the compounding. All the while, it's providing you this opportunity to have your money working in another asset, earning a return in two places at the same time. And this accelerates your path to time and money freedom. Meanwhile, it's providing you this tremendous tax advantage by using taxed input. You you pay tax on your money before you put it into your infinite banking system. And then it's growing tax deferred and paying out a tax-free death benefit to take care of your family, leaving a rich legacy. So this is why infinite banking is so valuable to your personal economy and your cash flow system. And this is why we wanted to bring Nelson Nash onto the show to share his history and show you how he took what was already possible inside cash value life insurance contracts and make it plain so others could prosper. So here's a little bit more about who Nelson Nash is. Nelson Nash is the discoverer and developer of the infinite banking concept and the author of Becoming Your Own Banker. Nash remains a popular teacher and lecturer on the infinite banking concept through dividend paying whole life insurance. As a native of Georgia, Nash received a Bachelor of Science degree in forestry from the University of Georgia in 1952. From 1954 to 1963, Nash worked as a consulting forester in eastern North Carolina. During more than 35 years' experience as a life insurance agent, Nash worked with the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the U.S. and with The Guardian. Recognized for his high achievements, Nash was inducted as a Hall of Fame member by Equitable, a chartered life underwriter, and life member of the Million Dollar Roundtable. A pilot for 71 years, Nash flew with the Army National Guard and earned master aviator wings during his 30 years of military service. He's been married to Mary W. Nash for more than 65 years. The couple live in Birmingham, Alabama. They have three children, 10 grandchildren, and eight great-grandchildren with the ninth on the way. We're so honored and grateful for this opportunity to talk with you, Nelson, today and share your wisdom with our community. Yeah, Nelson, um, I think what's best for our listeners is because, you know, one of the things that I've always been impressed, and I remember you you saying this often, it's it's all about the way you think. Yes. So how do you how do you believe from your early years you you became a thinker? Well, first of all, I became a Christian when I was nine years old, and so uh, that's where everything starts. And so that uh right there, I think, is essential because uh, the world has never been right about anything. Uh, and uh, so getting away from the, the way the world thinks is extremely important. So when you were, um, I remember you went to the University of Georgia, I believe. Can you take yes, us from, from that from that point forward as far as your education, your, your, your uh, early years in forestry, and then all the way up? Uh, through how you developed the infinite banking concept? Well, we give it a whirl. Uh, yeah, I thought that I wanted to be a forester. Uh, now, uh, most folks uh, don't quite understand what being a forester is. Most folks, Bruce, think that uh, forester is a guy that sits in a fire tower uh, and uh, 
wears a uh, Smokey Bear hat and uh, is a blood relative <laughs> of Smokey Bear, but that's not the case at all. Uh, it's all really about all the outdoor stuff. Uh, it's really a branch of geography, is what it is. And then, so, and uh, yeah, you 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 actually were actually managing the forest, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, you look at that, a great big picture out there that most folks don't see when you uh, when you encompass uh, geography and uh, the concept of forest, which is uh, really about the outdoors. But the big thing that it uh, got across to me initially was uh, to think long range. Uh, as a result, uh, I think 70 years in the future, Bruce, but uh, I'm already 87, so I'm not going to be here, but it doesn't matter. Uh, plan is if you're going to live today, live is if you're going to live uh, forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, plan, is, plan is if you're going to live forever, but live is if you're going to die today is, is a watch word. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing is that uh, uh, in uh, forestry school, you got lots of courses uh, in classification. Uh, classification is extremely important. If you don't classify things correctly, you run into deep trouble. And you classify things on the basis of their major characteristics, not incidentals. And so uh, those two things have been the standouts in my own process of thinking, coupled with my uh, Christian upbringing. How did you make the transition from being a forester to a state farm agent? Oh, that's quite a, I'm not a state farm agent. No, not, never was. That oh, was my sorry. Brother. I was, that, no, I that was my, that was my brother. Oh, that was, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, how did I make you were, the in, you were in life insurance though, right? Oh, I, I practiced uh, forestry privately as a consultant in eastern North Carolina for nine years. And uh, I pioneered some techniques there that were unusual and so forth. And uh, I was uh, talked into move to merging my consulting firm uh, in North Carolina with one here in Birmingham, Alabama in 1963. And that was a tragic mistake, Bruce. I shouldn't have made the trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the embarrassing thing is that went way out of my way to get counsel from three people as to whether I should uh, make the trip. And uh, uh, one of the uh, counselors was my pastor, and he says, you'll never get along with that guy. That's the head guy. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, thank you. I, I asked for your uh, help and so forth, but you don't understand that's people problems, and I can handle that. Now, Bruce, that's how stupid a 30-year-old can be. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I remember how stupid I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I said the reason I'm considering this is the technical aspects of it, that this is the largest uh, forester consulting firm in the United States, and that uh, large base that they have uh, and what uh, they see uh, that I'm teaching could be of such a value that uh, I can make a mark in this world. And so I made the move. But, oh, boy, I was here just only three months when I discovered that I had made a a terrible mistake. Well, I knew one thing that uh, the only thing I salvaged out of that uh, era was uh, cash value as a life insurance. And the other thing I noticed was that the best advice that I ever got came from a couple of life insurance agents in my life. See, I started buying that stuff when I was 16 years old uh, with uh, money from part-time jobs, okay? Mm-hmm. 
Now, uh, so uh, the other thing I uh, noticed that I had, what I was really doing was selling. You're selling an idea, an idea that is unusual in most people's minds. And so I, I guess I just naturally gravitated to it. And the cold hard facts is that um, uh, in considering changing careers, uh, I would have walked in the front door of uh, Equitable Life and uh, to see what could be done mm-hmm. as an agent. And uh, the truth is that I answered a blind ad in the newspaper. It happened to be Equitable Life. So that's how hmm. I got started, Jim. Yeah. So that was in 1964. Was, that was a full that was a full year uh, after I had uh, uh, moved here to uh, join the consulting firm. Okay. So, so Nelson, I don't think I've ever told you this. I was born in 1963, yeah. And, and my mother and father took out a Western and Southern Life whole life insurance yeah. policy on me at that time. Ah. And, and so I was introduced to it at a very young age, also. What, um, did your brother get into it before or after you? He got into it before what I did. Brother was three years older than I. Uh, <clears throat> oh, let's see. How do I start? Uh, brother uh, was a big-time uh, jock. He was a football player. He, was oh. a, he, he played uh, quarterback for Auburn as a freshman. But academics was not brother's uh, uh high point in his life mm-hmm. and so uh, he had the decision to make and so he chose the navy for two years <laughs> and so he came back to uh to athens georgia and uh, was in the class ahead of me now uh after two years of active duty with the air force uh he tried life insurance with franklin life in um, athens georgia and fell on his face uh, and uh, he uh, went back to uh, football coaching. Mm. Did real good. Uh, he produced a state championship in Rockmart, Georgia, back then one time. And um, anyway, uh, his uh, brother-in-law was a state farm manager and convinced him to get into the life insurance business. And so, as Paul Harvey used to say, now you know that rest of the story. <laughs> That's the story. So take us take us to the time, and I believe it was either the late 70s or the early 80s when we had all that terrible inflation, when the infinite banking concept was kind of developed from some uh, a commercial property that I believe that you yeah. were involved in. It was, it was uh, uh, okay, temporary real estate uh and so uh, I naturally gravitated to it, and I had uh, bought Timberlands and uh, made uh, money off on them, uh, buying and selling Timberlands. And uh, then I got talked into uh, getting into a real estate development. Well, uh, Bruce, we're talking about interest rates on uh, – now, when you talk about real estate, development of real estate, you're talking about uh, lots of loans, okay? Mm-hmm, right. Uh, that's the way it's done. OPM, that's the way to go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Leverage, leverage, leverage. So uh, interest rates on uh, 90-day loans in uh, the late uh, 70s uh, was 6%, uh, 8%, I'm sorry, 8%. Now, 
along comes uh, 80 and 81, and uh, interest rates had gone to 23%. Uh, that's 21 and a half is what it was, but uh, that's prime rate. And I've never met anybody that's prime yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you got to pay a point and a half over. So anyway, I got caught owing a half million bucks at 23% interest. Well, do a little third grade arithmetic and you see that was painful. And <laughs> now worse than that, I was dealing with partnerships because I felt like uh, uh, having partners was a good way to go. Couple of the fact that Rachel, if you don't have somebody to share things with, you really don't have much. Golly, heavens above. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I felt very secure in this uh, considerable project of having a big-name lawyer here in Birmingham, uh, one of the principal firms, uh, as an owner of 35% of this um, partnership. Uh, Bruce, he okay. bankrupted on us. Mm-hmm. That meant mm-hmm. that we had to eat his portion, so that was another three hundred thousand. So, we're really talking about getting caught on eight hundred thousand at twenty three percent interest. Now, I saw very plainly at that time that um, I could get the money at five, six, and eight percent interest from uh, three different life insurance companies from cash values loans, but uh, I had nowhere near the amount of volume that it took to do what needs to be done, of course. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I saw that if I would uh, uh, find a way to uh, increase my uh, premiums big time, that uh, uh, I could uh, get rid of the snakes and dragons and never see them anymore. Well, they can't be, this can't be done overnight, and that's why being a forester is so important. You have to learn to think long range and you understand that you're not going to get immediate results so forth. So, uh, Rachel, it took me uh, 13 years to get rid of the banks. Uh, And I did it by uh, uh, premium, by paying lots of premiums and uh, borrowing from the policies and paying them off. Now, that left lots of debt in the policies, didn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, then I paid off up all the policy loans. There are no policy loans. There haven't been in quite some time. And it amazed me what happened once I got rid of the banks in my life and paying off the policy loans. It was I, it was startling how fast I paid off the policy loans. So uh, mm-hmm. that's a nutshell, I guess. Well, what's interesting, just if I may for a minute, so it's all really about having access to capital. And I, I think that's really the premise of your book, How to Be Your Own Banker, is this idea that we don't often in our society look at life insurance as a financing tool or as a a place to get capital from that we can access. And yet that's one of the most important functions of the, the cash value or the living benefits of life insurance. And so you really pulled out that valuable piece really of having access to capital. And I think that's one of the most important things that you discovered that you then made known to others, hey, this cash value is accessible to you. The thing that you have to do is put the money in first in premium. Yes, but you see what is missing here in our conversation so far is my background as an Austrian economist. Uh, in 1957, I got acquainted with uh, the Austrians uh, through Foundation for Economic Education and if it weren't for that, uh, becoming your own bank, it would never be written. And so over the period of time, you'll realize that uh, 
the, func- the banking function in life is you can't do a thing about it. It's there. But it's in the, ha- the control of it is in the hands of the wrong people. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if you go to um, uh, the reading list on uh, our website, uh, there's a uh, uh, re- resources tab. And when you look at the uh, reading list, you'll find uh, uh, about 110 uh, different books about economics, but there's 135 books on uh, history. Uh, it, you can't divide history and economics at all. It's hand in glove. Uh, so uh, uh, when you read all these books, you have one PhD in Austrian economics, one PhD in history. Now, uh, when you come face to face with the fact that the, the fundamental problem is banking is in the hands of the wrong people. It should be at the you and me level totally. But this is never taught in schools and so forth because uh, all the evil uh, bankers and you, you, you have to go look at these, read these books and understand the message to see how evil these people are. Uh, these people create wars and they finance both sides and uh, people have no earthly idea that this is true. Now, we're not talking about your bank there in your city or something like that. Golly, that's so far down the uh, pecking order that that you wouldn't believe it. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, the most important thing a person can do in his financial world is control the banking function totally. And so everything ought to be run through this concept. If they do, the world changes big time. And it's a peaceful, stress-free way of life when you do so. That... uh, you see, uh, uh, Mary and I have not seen a uh, bank in over 30 years. So, Nelson, one of the uh, things, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things our, our listeners and people that I've encountered uh, talking about this concept over the years is they become too impatient. You know, you said it took you 13 years to get rid of the banks. Yes. And a lot of times people yes. think, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be able to get rid of the banks tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take a pill. Right, right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in one hand, you it's it's good that they want to get rid of the banks, but on the other hand, they're yeah. impatient uh, about how fast they can do it. But the policy, how you design the policy is really kind of key to all this. How did you come about the policy design? Oh, uh, I found out fairly uh, early there that uh, you run into a problem of conventional thinking that the insurance companies will only write so much uh, life insurance on you, uh, dependent upon your circumstances mm-hmm. and so forth. And so you, uh, uh, in order to uh, uh, accommodate what I'm teaching, you, you've got to go to high premium, uh, low death benefit uh, policies. Now, uh, Bruce, do you know that uh, uh, at the time that you were born and so forth, that you could buy single premium policies? No, I didn't realize that. Well, you can do it now, but uh, it's uh, so unusual. That, but uh, uh, people don't think uh, at all about it. They, what When they think about life insurance, uh, okay, the real problem, again, we, we're back to classification. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Bruce? Uh, dividend paying whole life insurance should never been called insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You right. see, uh, 
when you buy insurance on your automobile, it is all predicated upon if something happens to, to damage your automobile or somebody else's uh, automobile or property and so forth during a time right. frame. Every other form of insurance is predicated on the word mm-hmm. if and a time frame. Now, look, uh, life is not if, it's when. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going to graduate one of these days, no matter who we are. And so uh, when they came up with the idea of whole life insurance, uh, uh, they should never have called it insurance because it's major characteristics. Now you had to have much more cash value uh, there uh, in order to be able to, uh, to do this. So uh, that was the key. So uh, this was totally backward from the way that uh, insurance companies thought. Uh, well, you must understand that uh, at the time I was uh, conjuring all this up, uh, I was still with Equitable Life of New York, which was the third largest life insurance company in the United States. But uh, I had access to the very top levels uh, of uh, the president of the company and so forth. and. Uh, I figured that that the idea should be to get them to understand this and we would change the world. And I was stupid enough to uh, uh, try this for five years. And I finally saw that they were totally unteachable, that it was impossible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's because of the educational community. uh, See, uh, it's such a complex uh, story that most people just don't see it. what happened out there? Uh, okay, in your father and mother's generation, uh, they bought life insurance on you. Uh, you just mm-hmm. told me. All right. Well, uh, in the earlier generation, say my father's generation, life insurance was the primary place where they uh, uh, built uh, a wealth. But uh, uh, end of World War II, here comes an abominable idea called the GI Bill. Uh, you see, all those GIs had come off active duty, and uh, the uh, socialists who were in charge of everything at that time said, uh, well, uh, if all of those guys come off active duty, that's going to ruin the economy. There's no jobs there, so mm-hmm. forth. So uh, let's do something so that they can... Uh, transition into the regular world uh, over a period of time, let's send them to college. Uh, in addition, that will increase the intellectual uh, capital of our, our country. And we'll kill two birds with one stone, the greatest idea that ever came along. Now, what really happened? The colleges became diploma mm-hmm. mills. Absolutely. And we, we, had, we had the advent of Harvard MBAs who know everything in the world. <laughs> you can't teach a Harvard MBA anything because they already right. know it all. <laughs> well, that's what I ran mm-hmm. into. And uh, they were eaten up with the Harvard MBA thinking, well, guess what? Uh, AXA had to buy uh, Equitable out. Well, yeah, but you see the uh, uh, slow thinker that I am, uh, I said, uh, how stupid of you. Uh, I should have learned this in academia, particularly forestry school, because uh, the entire wood products industry is just, industry is just eaten up with, with OPM, other people's mm-hmm. money. 
All right. A $50 million addition to a paper mill, uh, Bruce, is nothing. Oh. And that's to produce a product to blow your nose on and throw in the mm-hmm. trash can. I said, now think the dean over there at the University of Georgia Forestry School, you, you were in the first class he taught back in 1949. Call him. You'll get an interview based on that uh, uh, relationship. Okay. Uh, get in your airplane, go over there and spend the day with him, run this by him. If he rises the occasion, let's establish a chair that would do nothing but teach this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was prepared, Rachel, to uh, go out and find the money to uh, fund the chair. But all he was interested in, how much are you going to give the Alumni Society this year because I'm retiring next yeah. year? Uh-huh. Nevertheless, I pursued that possibility for two years. I finally found out that if I'd give them a quarter million dollars, they'd let me teach this. Bruce, they should have been giving me a quarter million dollars. I agree to teach with that, this. Nelson. But you see, that's oh, yeah. how backward the academic community mm-hmm. is. So then we came, we came around with this. Um, you were actually teaching this, I'm sure, to your clients for years and years. But then you had this, revel- yes. this revelation about writing the original, becoming your own banker book. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. You see, uh, I was trying to get this message across in uh, two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way the uh, life insurance industry thinks. Uh, in all the presentations out there, uh, they're talking about short time frames and so forth. Well, <clears throat> um, but it was just going over the heads of people. Well, uh I uh, had an experience uh, that uh, led me to understand that uh, it should be uh, spread out over a period of time. And so we don't have time to go into that, but we'll we'll put it this way. I rewrote the course and uh, designed it to be put on two hours at a time over a five-week period. Uh, Each of these lessons needs to to digest because you got to get rid of the – uh, erroneous thinking that's been out there that prevails. And uh, so uh, when I rewrote the course, I uh, got a, a class of 18 people. That's how big the conference room was. Mm-hmm. And the youngest one was uh, 25. The oldest one was 75. There were males. There were females. There was all kind of different occupations. And Bruce, I wouldn't let but one life insurance person in the room. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when I got through the first uh, two hours, uh, 60% of the group hung around and wanted to ask questions. My response, go home. It's over. Uh, I'll be here next Thursday night at 6 o'clock. Now, Rachel, I deliberately did not call a single one to remind them to be there next Thursday at 6 o'clock. I wanted to see what would happen. Well, <laughs> 20 people showed up. <laughs> it, wow, okay. It, it was. Well, that tells you something, doesn't it? That's a good experiment. <laughs> all right. Now, by the time the third session is over, uh, they were all saying, you need to write a book. You need to write oh, a book. Oh, I see. And so, again, we're back to Paul Harvey. You know the rest mm-hmm. of the story. So, so that's how the book came to be. So um, when you're looking at developing this, <laughs> Then you, how did you develop the think tank then? Oh, that just evolved over a period of time. Uh, I uh, uh, 
my mentor was Leonard E. Reed, the found guy who founded the Foundation for Economic Education. And uh, uh, I used to have him down to lecture here, and we would uh, uh, spend a, a day and a half uh, minimum uh, uh, starting in the evening of one day and then all day the next day. And so uh, that just led to uh, other kind of uh, thoughts that uh, we need to get together to reinforce all this stuff as time goes by because it takes a while to to uh, get people to recognize nonsense and get rid of it in their wow. lifetime in their life in their lifestyle uh we're just uh, completely inundated by financial nonsense that's out there uh, you can't classify it any other way and it's because <laughs> of the uh, right real lack of realization that banking is fundamental to everything and it's the it should be in your control totally so nelson can you talk a little bit about that because you would be considered the founder the creator the inventor of this infinite banking concept and the infinite banking idea in your words what would you say infinite banking is and how does it allow us to how does it allow the individual to reclaim that banking function? Well, I've uh, looked at a uh, phrase that I was trying to put together. This is how to survive and thrive in a uh, hostile financial uh, environment. That's mm-hmm. what it's about. Surely people realize that we do have a hostile financial environment. Just think of what's happened uh, during my lifetime, uh, during your lifetime for that matter. Uh, mm-hmm. And who, who caused all this problem? Bankers, every last bit. But so if you can go ahead. But people ha- uh, don't read, uh, and they uh, go to uh, schools and think they got educated, and they didn't. And there's there's no uh, reason for this uh, situation that we have, other than uh, people are sleepwalking. Is I guess what you might say. So can you share then, you talk about in your book, How to Become Your Own Banker, you talk about this idea that all money is connected, it all flows back to the same pool. You use a couple of very specific analogies to explain what banking does in terms of earning interest or paying interest and how oftentimes we're paying interest when we're barely earning any interest and that all of the money flows back into the same pot. You, you explain one analogy with this grocery store owner and the can of peas you explain another with the headwind and tailwind of an airplane. Can you kind of help our listeners and our audience to grab onto the concept of how all of the money is in one pot and how it's important to reclaim the banking function in order to be in control financially, you know, personally? Ooh, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, help me there. Uh, God missed what you're looking for because you threw a lot of things at me there. Can you can you explain the way that all money flows into one place? Well, there's Maybe only you can one use the pool of money store. out there. The fact that various deserted banks, insurance companies, corporations, and individuals, uh, and in various and sundry currency denominations and so forth, uh, is incidental. Uh, all uh, you know uh, when you uh, go to another country, they have a 
different uh, monetary system and so forth, but uh, there's an exchange ratio and whatever. But the the, uh, the fact that uh, the, the phenomenon that people don't recognize is uh, the, who is it that controls the banking function in your life? And it should be you totally, but that's not the case. Everything out there that you see going on is based on leverage and so forth. And it comes up with crazy ideas. And people listen to uh, government programs and so forth, thinking that is the solution. Uh, and so people don't realize that uh, governments change the name, change the definition of words. See, in Washington, D.C. nowadays, the uh, uh, definition of home ownership is that you have a title to a piece of property, but you owe more than 125% of, of its value. And they call that home ownership. And no, there's no way. You don't own it until you, uh, there is no indebtedness, period. But they, they claim that that's home ownership, and that is a lie. Well, if you build your, uh, uh, a life on the basis of a lie, uh, what else can you expect except nonsense? And so uh, it's a matter of recognizing uh, how important it is to uh, recognize nonsense. Well, uh, there's a uh, lady up in uh, North Dakota that uh, deals with farmers a lot, and so you can be a perfect analogy, Bruce. Uh uh, you do know there's something out there called corn. Don't uh, you, I grew Bruce? up right next to corn, Nelson. Yes. See there. Uh huh. Now oh, we till the soil, okay, and we fertilize, okay. Now we plant corn. Now, Bruce, as time goes by, we're gonna get something else. What is that? Uh, we're well, we're gonna get ears of corn. Weeds. Weeds. <clears throat> <laughs> We planted corn, but we're going to get weeds. Now, did you plant the weeds? <laughs> no. Now, if you have a huge crop of, of weeds to the point where you can hardly see the corn, is the analogy helping? <laughs> now, if you get rid of the weeds, doesn't the corn stand out like a sore thumb? Yes, it does. So we need to get... Mm -hmm. Well, that's all this is, that's all this is about recognizing nonsense out there in the financial world. Well, you talk about this idea that um, the reason that it's important to control the environment, you mentioned a quote in your book about Adam Smith, and he said, banks don't lend their own money. They lend money that someone else has left yeah. there. And really, it all comes down to if we can be in control, then we're not just paying interest to use someone else's money. We actually have access to our own money to be able to use and earn interest instead of paying interest, right? Well, again, you've created, when you, when you do what I'm talking about, you've created an environment that is kind of like an aquarium. <laughs> it, it's not hmm. part of the, uh, uh, of the oceans or anything like that. It's an isolated thing there where, you, where you, it's all right there in front of you. See, the, the confusion is the environment that we're dealing with. Uh, and so this is why it's so important to read all those books that are on my reading list. It, it really comes down to, uh, Nelson, I think it was, we've, got, we've had so much noise in our lives that we can't see, pardon the pun, but you can't see the forest for the trees. 
because, because yes. we, we've got all this other nonsense around it, but it really does come down to who controls the banking function because we're, give, we're giving up all this interest to these other financial um, institutions that we could actually be capturing ourselves. Sure. Anybody can do it. But you see, they don't think this way. See, remember that back when I was doing uh, speaking engagements a big time, I was all over the United States and Canada doing this, and I worked strictly through sponsors. I never set up a seminar myself. Well, a number of years ago, I was doing um, a uh, seminar in the Los Angeles area, uh, uh, Thousand Oaks area. That's a high-rent mm-hmm. district. And the sponsor there was Arkady Milgram, who is a Russian Jew. And... Uh, he had uh, 25 uh, Russians there and about 20 of us USA types. And halfway through the seminar, I'm telling uh, the uh, group what a peaceful, stress-free way of life it is when you get the banks out of your life. And a bolt of lightning hit my people's head about that time. I said to myself, my word, what an opportunity. Right here in front of me is a lady doctor from Russia. She's a neurologist. And uh, I'm going to pick her brain right in front of everybody. And uh, I don't have no idea what this lady is going to say. She doesn't know me, and I don't know her. Doctor, <clears throat> okay, I was first prefacing all this by telling people what a peaceful, stress-free mm-hmm. way of life it is when you uh, get the banks out of your life. And so I said, doctor, what part does stress play in medical maladies? And her response was, it all starts there. Then I asked the group, in your life and the life of your your peers, what do you see as the biggest stress factor? And a chorus came back, money. See, that's the problem out there. Life insurance is just the means of getting there. But uh, the problem out there, Oh, and what we're trying to get this across is that most of the people uh, think this this is about selling life insurance, and it's not. Mm-hmm. This is the means of, uh, of of accomplishing the banking function in your own life in any place that cannot inflate the money supply. Only banks can inflate the money supply. And as a result, they lend money that doesn't exist, and people have no earthly idea that this is true. Uh, what I found, Nelson, is bankers at your local bank do not even understand fractional reserve banking. No. No, Carlos Lara has been lecturing for years uh, to banking groups and so forth, and uh, the, the employees at banks have no earthly idea what they're doing. The employees have no earthly idea of what's really happening. Uh, there was a guy in California years ago, and he had been working for a bank for 15 years. And when he finally figured out what they were doing, he just walked in and resigned. He, can, he says, I cannot uh, live in this atmosphere. So- well, and I think what's interesting um, just about that whole concept is that you talk about also in your book this idea that we've become really lazy and not valued holding our own capital. And so because of that, we have to go to someone else to get capital when we need to finance something. And that causes us to pay out interest and we're bleeding out all of this extra money that we don't need to be paying because we haven't valued capital. 
And as we recognize that having capital and building up capital, like you talked about with the forestry example, when you realize that your access to money just depended on how much you put in, that helps to solve the problem of having so much interest flowing out because reclaiming the banking function really is about having your capital that you can access, right? Exactly. So you have a contractual agreement with a life insurance company there. Uh, uh, One of our practitioners came up with this analogy a number of years ago. He says, uh, this whole whole thing is uh, misclassified. Uh, This is just like a trust. Uh, a trust has a grand a grantor, a trustee, and a beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Now, the the trust never existed until the until uh, the grantor created it. Yes. Got that? Yes. It never mm-hmm. existed until the grantor took action. Now, the uh, grantor puts property into the trust. It becomes the property of the trustee. It's mm-hmm. his. Now, the trustee has got to put that property to work in various and sundry places in order to carry out the wishes of the grantor for the benefit of the third party, the beneficiary. Now, uh, so in comes income uh, from the uh, activities of the trustee. Uh, Who does it go to, Bruce? My word. It goes to the Mm. trustee. It's his. Now, uh the trustee uh earns uh something for his services, but the uh benefits go to the grant grantor or the uh beneficiary one or the other. Now, when the trustee is putting that property to work, one of the places he can put it to work is with the uh trust with the grantor, sure. can't he? Yeah, so the money comp the yeah, earnings come in to the trustee. Now, the trustee, uh, have you ever heard anybody saying, look how much money that trustee mm-hmm. is making? Not on your mm-hmm. life. What do they say? They say, look how good that trustee is doing for the benefit of those right. other two parties. Now, if that weren't true, no one would ever create a trust. All right. Now, do you see the parallel? Absolutely, when, when you're looking at the life insurance contract, and that's why we like to call them uh, specially designed life insurance contracts. We yes. love to use the word yes. contract because you have the owner, you have the insured, and you have the beneficiary. It's written it's written yes. in that contract. You know you have guaranteed uh, interest that's going to be paid. And then you have also in the contract the, the dividend payout if there are dividends declared and and because life insurance companies are so good at taking care of people's money, they declare dividends almost 100% of the time. So it's all written in the, in the contract where if you look at other things where you can place your money, um, there isn't a, uh, a necessary contract. So um, I learned all this through the, um, the think tank um, and, and going to your special events for IBC practitioners so as we as we're kind of winding down here, Nelson, tell us why you thought it was so important to start the practitioners program. Yeah, because so many people out there, uh, agents, uh, think this is about selling life insurance, and they were perverting uh, the whole idea, and uh, uh, they were calling what they were doing like universal life and uh, variable life and nonsense like that. 
that uh, we've got to have some means of uh, uh, getting people to understand. Uh, it's it's not a certification. It's a uh, uh, what is our word? Uh, you mean for for the practitioners? <clears throat> yeah, authorized, authorized practitioners authorized, program. Authorized. Yes. Yeah, that, that means that the person has gone through a uh, course that's uh, written by uh, Bob Murphy. Bob Dr. Murphy, Murphy, yes. And then you've got then you've got to take a test, and you've got to pass eighty percent or much, something like that. And uh, uh, we won't take on anybody unless they've gone through an interview with us now. Yeah, I was one of the first. Uh, I was one of the first uh, practitioners, and I remember the process where I was, you know, the interview yeah. process, and then you. Then we had a study for the test, and it was a very thorough test. And the test was also on Austrian yes. economics, which, which you have to understand. Yes. And then um, there was a very extensive test that was uh, – it was also with a supervisor that, that was overlooking it. So it was – this this yes. whole process is a very um, uh, a mindful of how the importance is to do it properly. And so anybody that gets involved with a Nelson Nash Institute um, practitioner should feel very confident that they uh, are are working with somebody that has your vision. So uh, if people want to learn more about this, they should go to infinitebanking.org. Is that the best place? Yes. Correct. And, That's the place. And then um, I know Bob Murphy and Carlos Lara – uh, who you met several years ago are now uh, running some of the same type of public events that you've you have run in the past. Uh, can, can you comment a little yes, bit on that? I, I haven't. I'm not doing any traveling anymore. Uh, the old age is creeping on. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, Carlos and Bob and uh, David are doing the seminars uh, wherever they. Uh, uh, might have a sponsor somewhere uh, all the United States, and it's a four-hour, very comprehensive uh, lectures by Carlos and Bob. I actually went to the one in May up in Chicago uh, to, to see yeah. Bob and, and Carlos do that. And, you know, I've seen them do many, many uh, talks in the, in the past, yeah. but I wanted to see and, and, and keep the fundamental the fundamentals up of, of our thought process uh Nelson, and that's why I'll see hopefully uh, you in some form. I'll see you in February. Uh, that's a practitioner's um, get together. But is there still going to be a public uh, conference in February after the think tank? I don't think so. I think I think it, uh, that won't occur okay. uh, here. So the think tank will just be for the Nelson Nash Institute practitioners. Yeah, and uh, I believe that the uh, – Think Tank session is going to be in the Fort Worth, Dallas area in February. Oh, I didn't know that. Great. Yeah. So it's not going to be in Birmingham. No. Oh, that's okay. Great. Is it? Is it? Are we planning on rotating it from now on? That's that's up to Carlos, Bob, Bob and, and, uh, David. and David. Uh, uh, yeah. And for for our listeners, David is your son-in-law. Correct. And he's he has a military background. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, can you, as we wrap up here, can I think this is a great story? Can you? Tell the listeners about when David called you to ask f- for your uh, daughter's hand in marriage and what you required him to do. Well, uh, <laughs> you, 
It's it's a long story there, but we never met David until the day before the wedding and uh, such. And uh, they were living in Hawaii at the time when they got married, and uh, uh, we did not leave until I had uh, his name on an application. (laughs) Yeah, David had had to get some life insurance, right? (laughs) First things first. (laughs) Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. And Nelson, just thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom with us today. It's just been really an honor to um, get to know the person behind the infinite banking concept and really hear some of those main ideas and thought processes directly from you. And so for our listeners, if they're interested in finding out more, absolutely, they should get the Becoming Your Own Banker book. And I believe that they can do that at infinitebanking.org slash individuals. Is that correct? Yes, but I want you to uh, remember to emphasize the word infinite because you see, Rachel, the more you see, the more you see you didn't see. Oh, yes. When you, you can't put limits on the word infinite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's impossible. And so there's so much more out there that people do not see. And that is primarily because life insurance is involved here in this process. It's the only device out there that can form, perform the necessary function of the banking function that you and me level by contractual basis. And that's the other word that I'm so proud of you, uh, Bruce, about um, the word contract. Look, when the uh, law of contracts is destroyed, civilization has been destroyed. Yeah, I tell people all that time, Nelson, because they, they say things like, well, can't they change the contract? Can't the Congress change? I said, well, if they change the, the meaning of the word contract, then all civilization will be destroyed. I learned that from thank, you. Thank you for that, because you see, <laughs> uh, people have been uh, fed They've been led to believe that all their blessings in life come from Washington, D.C. And so uh, everybody wants to talk about the tax code and and so forth. But this is not a function of the tax code. The tax code has only been around since 1913. And uh, life insurance has been around before this country was established. Absolutely. And thank you just for sharing the infinite nature of even going backwards, backwards and forwards so much more valuable than most of us have been led to believe. And I love how even in your book, the Becoming Your Own Banker book, you talk about this is the training about life insurance that should have been taught for the last 200 years. And thank you, Nelson, so much just for putting that down on paper, for creating all the courses, the training. I mean, you are leaving this tremendous legacy and helping people to infinitely expand their thinking around money and really be able to truly be in control and pass on a legacy. So thank you so much My for that. pleasure. I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And in closing, for our listeners, if you would like to create a comprehensive strategy to most effectively store your capital where you do have that safety, liquidity, and growth, and invest in cash flowing assets to build time and money freedom, email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com to talk with us. We'll help you maximize your wealth today and in the future by discovering money that's flowing out of your control, strategizing ways to get more of your money flowing back into your control, with the end result being more money that you have to keep and to utilize over your lifetime and also to pass on to future generations. 
So thank you so much to our guest, Nelson Nash, for being with us today, for sharing your wisdom, your infinite wisdom. And um, thank you to our listeners. Today's show notes and resources are available for you at themoneyadvantage.com. And you can also email us with questions or comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this show and anything else that we've discussed as well. You can email hello at themoneyadvantage.com. Remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.